This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special report. This past Tuesday, March 20th, 2023, marked the 20-year anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, according to a report on the cost of war from Nada C. Crawford at the Watson Institute for International Public Affairs at Brown University. The invasion led to well over 300,000 civilian deaths in Iraq, both from the war itself, as well as related deaths, such as deaths from preventable disease. The numbers of deaths, if you include the first Gulf War and, of course, sanctions on Iraq, go well over a million. The U.S. invasion also led to millions of internally and internationally displaced Iraqi civilians. The report mentioned before was published March 15, 2023. The full title of the report is Blood and Treasure, United States Budgetary Costs and Human Costs of 20 Years of war in Iraq and Syria 2003 to 2023, says that more than 345,000 Iraqis currently remain international refugees. The invasion of Iraq wasn't a mistake. It was a crime, is the title of an article on Jacobin by Ben Burgess on March 20th. It says of the invasion, quote, it was a calculated, premeditated crime perpetrated on a massive scale. Thousands of Americans and hundreds of thousands of Iraqis died in a war premised on transparently nonsensical lies, end quote. In a section entitled A War Based on Absurd Lies, it says the war was based on the idea that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and that those weapons were likely to fall into the hands of al-Qaeda. Burgess writes that, quote, between 6 and 10 million people turned out in 600 cities around the world to tell the war planners no, end quote. But the war criminals like Bush didn't listen to the millions marching around the globe. According to the film We Are Many, which you can watch for free on 2B TV, protests took place in 789 cities and in 72 countries around the globe. The tagline for the film says, quote, 30 million people spoke out against the USA and UK's plans to invade Iraq, end quote. I myself have been involved in the anti-war movement since 2007, protesting against the U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. As a longtime anti-war activist, I'm well aware that war doesn't just lead to intimidation, displacement, and killing of communities around the globe, but also to increased intimidation, displacement, and killing of communities at home. Since the 2003 invasion, military hardware has flowed into police departments around the country. As the ruling class tries to do everything in their power to prevent any sustained protest or direct action that could be successful at challenging their power. Now, here's one clip from the Stop U.S. Wars and Militarism event that took place at Mayday Plaza on January 21st of this year that zeroes in on this issue. Um, our next speaker is Jay Yates from Twin Cities Coalition for Jamar. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, this past Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and many of us witnessed the endless parade of performative posts, events, and discussions of legacy from corporations, politicians, and white neoliberals. 
President Biden himself released a statement from the White House calling on us to continue, quote, building on Dr. King's dream of, quote, redeeming the soul of America. But what redemption is there for a country bankrolling a proxy war with Russia while its own citizens freeze and starve to death in encampments across the country? How is a man who asked in public whether he looked like a, quote, radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters in response to the justified rage of millions of Americans who watched George Floyd's public execution going to preach to us about nonviolent resistance. These are the same people who vilified protesters all summer following the murder of George Floyd, calling us thugs, accusing us of random property damage and violence, telling us that Dr. King would never approve of the destruction of the third precinct and so on. While I agree that Dr. King's work left an indelible mark on the civil rights movement and was instrumental in winning some rights and protections for black people, even he acknowledged that violent protests are the natural consequence of inaction in the face of injustice. A riot is the language of the unheard. And while we honor Dr. King's commitment to justice and nonviolence, we must also recognize that there are limits to pacifism. Again, we saw this here in Minneapolis when National Guard were deployed and given authorization to use deadly force against largely unarmed protesters. They worked hand-in-hand with police to try and intimidate us into silence, all packaged under the guise of public safety. But watching young white men in fatigue standing with semi-automatics outside storefronts made it clear that the safety of the public is secondary to protecting wealth and that they were willing to kill us to do it. If the police are the first line of defense against real change in our country, then the military is the second. It not only backs the police when we challenge the state, but trains and arms them. Since the passage of the 1990 National Defense Authorization Act, the U.S. military has funneled billions of dollars of high-grade equipment such as LRADs, armored vehicles, and weapons as part of the 1033 program. A 2020 study of the most militarized departments in the U.S. found that the year after they received the equipment, civilian killings more than doubled. The researchers also found the records of these transfers to be poorly maintained or missing altogether, with little accountability on how this often deadly weaponry is being used. Between 2006 and 2014, over $1.4 billion worth of equipment was distributed to American police forces. In addition, the popularity of so-called warrior training, the same training used by the IDF to brutalize our comrades in Palestine, has skyrocketed skyrocketed as the U.S. Army veteran Dave Grossman has made his violent killology training available online. In it, Grossman states, the most effective way to stop someone is to fire a bullet into his central nervous system. This is a quote. It is up to God and the paramedics as to whether the man dies. Your job is to stop the deadly threat, and the most effective way to do that is to make the threat die. On average, cops, including MPD, get 168 hours of killology training compared to 9 hours on conflict resolution skills. You cannot refashion an imperialist state into a force for good, because imperialism is an ideology of endless expansion, a constant scramble to control the world's resources to gain capital. It is a machine that feeds on our labor and gives us nothing in return but death. That is why we have to fight against militarization at home and abroad. They are systems that depend on each other to maintain the status quo, and it is critical that the future of policing be in the hands
hands of the working class, in the hands of the black and brown communities that have been ravaged by unchecked police violence for decades. We are fighting to establish democratic community-controlled police so that we can actually sever the weapons pipeline between police and the military and keep our community safe from police violence. Unlike some people who promise that they're banning these practices and then don't actually enforce that in the police department. Under CPAC, we can create the space necessary to rebuild public safety that works for the majority, not just the ruling class. A system that does not rely on brutality or incarceration to halt the struggle for justice. Now is the time to take power into our own hands. Say no to militarized police and yes to community control. And for updates on this fight, you can text tcc for j to 612-453-3152 or visit tcc4j.net to find out how you can help make CPAC a reality. Now I'm going to lead you in a chant that many of you have probably heard before, um, but you're going to respond community control to whatever I say. When MPD kills on patrol, how do we stop them? Community control. When MPD kills on patrol, how do we stop them? According to the Facebook event, that anti-war protest was initiated by Minnesota Peace Action Coalition. It had a long list of endorsing groups and said that this was only a partial list. The event was held a few days after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and the page also highlighted how Dr. King said in 1967 that the U.S. government was, quote, the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, end quote. One of the many other slogans for that event was funds for housing and human needs, not the war machine. To me, this must be one of the main slogans we put forward in the anti-war movement as American workers can see U.S. services and infrastructure collapsing before their eyes. According to a Gallup poll, 38% of those surveyed in 2022 said they put off medical treatment due to cost up 12 percentage points from 2021. But this number has been very high for a long time, 33% in 2019, 24% in 2003. Last year, according to polls by a staffing agency, Connect RN. 50% of nurses in the U.S. have considered leaving the nursing profession altogether, primarily because of understaffing. In a number of cases, we have literally seen our infrastructure collapse. According to the Minnesota Legislative Reference Library, quote, shortly after 6 p.m. on August 1st, 2007, the Interstate 35W bridge over the Mississippi River near downtown Minneapolis was loaded with rush hour traffic creeping through an ongoing construction project without warning. The bridge collapsed, taking with it 111 vehicles, 13 people died, and 145 were injured, end quote. According to a fact sheet in the White House website from 2022, there remain, quote, 45,000 bridges in poor condition across the United States that need to be repaired or replaced, end quote. According to the Minnesota government here in Hennepin County, we, quote, experienced a 268% increase in families experiencing homelessness, end quote. This increase took place between 2021 and 2022. This also comes at a time of huge inflation, which is making everything unaffordable for working people. Nationally, we see the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, supposedly to control inflation, even though they know it has and will continue to lead to more workers being thrown out of their jobs. Much is said in the media about increased wages and payments related to the COVID emergency being responsible for inflation, and yet nothing at all is said about the huge inflationary pressure of massive amounts of expenditure on war and arms, which have no productive role to play in society and do nothing to improve the conditions of working people. 
According to the National Priorities Project, the total cost of war from 2001 to 2021 for taxpayers in the United States has been $8.04 trillion. Also, according to the National Priorities Project, those tax dollars could have paid for 71.8 million registered nurses for a year, or 956.13 million public housing units for one year, or 87.82 million elementary school teachers for one year. These are things that actually contribute in a positive way to society by improving the health, stability, and knowledge of the people. I firmly believe that activists must organize for money not to be spent on war, but be spent on human needs. Here's another clip with a speech from that Saturday, January 21st, Stop U.S. Wars and Militarism protest that took place at Mayday Plaza. Here it is. Um, and then our next speaker is Monique Colors Doty from uh, Black Lives Matter, Twin Cities Metro, and Black Lives Minnesota. Thank you, uh, Anti-Work Committee. Thank you for having me here and, and always welcoming your, your arms. Um, I was actually given, I was offered to do this, so I was like, okay, I'm going to say this. Um, I want to thank the Anti-Work Committee for standing by the call for justice for my nephew, Marcus Golden. I thank you for all your support, truly, and working in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. I, I love you and I value you so much. So I was asked to come and speak. I always say yes to anti-war committee. I don't even know what the topic will be. I'm like, okay, I'm here, what are we talking about? Because I'm just gonna show up. Um, and I've seen you out, I would have been out more, but I had long COVID, so I was out pretty much spring, summer, fall, but I'll be at, back out with you more now and i'm truly thank you thankful for the work that you do for providing a different narrative from the commercial media that we have and i thank you for that i thank you for doing the research and taking the time to find out what's really happening in the other parts of the world and giving a, a new voice to those who don't have a voice in our commercial media so thank you for doing that it's so important because you've enlightened me and educated me. I remember just seeing uh, someone said, oh, anti-war committee protesting such such. So I just went over there and I got out and I was like, hey, Kent, what are we protesting? He's like, T breaks it down. I'm like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. So thank you for taking the time to inform me because it's so much that I wasn't aware of just because of commercial news. But we are talking about um, Martin Luther King and his call, you know, to end wars, right? What America has to understand why America runs around talking about, oh, America first. And there's these right-wing Christians, but the word says the first shall be last. And if we put ourselves last and begin to put others first and help others, then that's how we improve the world and the world's conditions. So we need to not be talking about, but America has everything it needs to provide for every person that is here. We need to start taxing corporate corporations and the rich. We can provide for everyone here. We can provide for everyone who wants to come here. America wants to stick its nose and spend money because it's what? Military complex, which what brings a lot of money into those stockholders. So they're happy to, to support war efforts in places we have no business being, but turn their back to the homeless people who are being disrupted in their place where they can only have a tent, right? Our unsheltered people. I misspoke, it's unsheltered. So for our unsheltered people, we have crises right here. And America continues to turn a blind eye to the poor and to people of color in America. 
And it's, it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. So I'm thank, so thankful that anti-war committees out here doing the work, talking about, you know, don't get involved in this war and that war. It's so important because we're raising awareness to people who, who haven't seen that side of the story. Right? And I know Martin Luther King, he, he used his platform. The need to not be at war and ending the war. And um, I, I know a guy who's a... Um, he was a, there, um, a social worker at the VA, and he was um, a veteran himself. And he studied the trauma that soldiers endure, and he said it's on both sides. He talked about the people from Vietnam, the high um, rate of suicide. He said it's because of what they've done. They can't forgive themselves for what they've seen. It's horrible, and it's the same on both sides. It takes a toll because they realize they're fighting someone who did nothing to them. They're killing someone who personally did nothing to them. They're killing someone who truly is not their enemy. It's just a government with another government sending them to kill. And it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. I've heard veterans talking about the trauma still. They're seniors. They're silver-haired. They're gray-haired. There's no need to put people through that trauma. There's no need for that on either side because of greed, because of capitalism, because of imperialism, because a dictator wants to do something different. It's so important that we continue to call out these systems in America who turns a blind eye to our brothers and sisters at the border coming from South America. America doesn't want to put its hands on it and embrace them. But America created that situation. America sent the guns with Ronald Reagan and the Iran-Contra affair. He sent those guns down there and gave them to both sides. And the people now who are running the cartels are the children of those who were killed during the, during um, while Ronald Reagan was sending guns down. Those are their children. America helped create that crisis, and America needs to be responsible for protecting those people. And stop going overseas when you go right across the border and help the people trying to enter in and stop turning blind. That's true suffering for the Haitians who tried to come in through the southern border. It's true suffering. But we see Ukrainians walking through, passing people who've been sitting out at the southern border for nine months, taunting them. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. A disgrace. And I want to say this, when the war in Ukraine broke out, I said, well, let's see. I saw you guys were out. I came out too, okay? No war. Don't support the war in, in, in Ukraine. No money. Because we need education here. We need housing here. We need people to have access to medications here. And so I went on this website where it looks and it shows every place in the world that protested during George Floyd. Two places that had not a single protest, Ukraine, Russia, and China. So I'm standing in solidarity with you. I stand in solidarity with the people that stand in solidarity with us. People who are oppressed, marginalized, people of color, LGBTQ. There's a war on us, and it's so important that you continue doing the work that you do. So thank you for having me here. Thank you for speaking up. And let's stop these endless wars. We'll have a link in the show notes to the raw video from Urban Cabin Studios of the majority of that event. Uh, anti-war event where you can check out all the other chants and speeches. Here's one more clip. This is from an anti-war event that was held in my area, South Minneapolis, on March 4th, 2023. The demonstration was called Stop World War III, No to Nuclear Holocaust. This event 
seemed to be primarily called by Movement for People's Democracy, but was also endorsed by WAM, Vets for Peace, Peace Action Coalition, Anti-War Committee, and Black Lives Matter Minnesota. Here's a short three-minute clip. Money for healthcare, not for war! Money for healthcare! Not for war! Money for school! Not for war! Money for housing! Not for war! Money for food! Not for war! Money for jobs! Not for war! Money for healthcare! Not for war! Money for education! Not for war! Money for nurses! Not for war! Money for railroads! Not for war! Money for railroad workers! Not for war! Money for teachers! Not for war! Money for schools! Not for war! Money for education! Not for war! Money for housing! Not for war! Money for food! Not for war! Money for healthcare! Not for war! Thank you all so much! Please give it up for our next speaker, uh, Trey Cruz with Black Lives Matter Minnesota. Please give a round of applause! Thank you for having me. America has money for war! but can't feed the poor. The United States has a, a military budget of over $1 trillion. Currently, the United States has spent over $122 billion in the war effort in Ukraine. 46,000, over 46,000 people have died because of the war effort in Ukraine. 58,000 people have been injured because of the war of, of the war in Ukraine. The United States spent over six trillion dollars in Afghanistan in a fair in a failed 20 year war effort. And they had to flee and the government collapsed overnight. Somebody right. say that's that bullshit. That's that bullshit. Sorry about that. <laughs> The state of Minnesota also has a $20 billion surplus, but also has one of the biggest racial wealth gaps in the country. So we want to stop, as we also talk about defunding the police, we want to talk about defunding the military industrial complex. We want to take the money for war and give that back to the poor. 50% of the homeless people in the United States are black Americans, many of them veterans who have fought for this country only to come back home and face racism and poverty. So we want to end the war on poverty, and we believe that ending the war on poverty is directly connected to ending the military-industrial complex. So I'd like to thank you all for coming out today and standing up for economic justice and standing up for peace on planet Earth and even in outer space. Thank you all. Peace. You can see a slideshow of pictures from that event along with audio of all the speeches on the Urban Cabin Studios YouTube, which we will link to in the show notes. Now, I also attended an anti-war rally at Library Plaza in Uptown on March 18th, uh, this past Saturday that was set to mark 20 years since the U.S. invasion of Iraq. It coincided with national protests including in Washington, D.C., called by the Answer Coalition, Code Pink, and the People's Forum, and endorsed by hundreds of groups. The Minneapolis event was also listed as initiated by Minnesota Peace Action Coalition. At both of the anti-war events this month, I wore my homemade shirt that reads, quote, Russia out of Ukraine, U.S. out of NATO, end quote. I'm not sure the exact origin of this slogan, but I first saw it shortly after the Russia invasion, of Ukraine at the Born Again Labor Museum in Carbondale, Illinois. 
Anyway, I've gotten some positive reaction to the shirt, but I also had an individual come up to me at the most recent anti-war protest and say that my shirt conflicted with my sign. For the record, my sign said on one side, quote, no U.S. war on Russia or China. On the other side, quote, say no to World War III. My belief then and my belief as I speak now is that a consistent anti-war position that stands in opposition to all imperialist capitalist invasions and wars is in no way in conflict with my strong and specific opposition to the U.S. war machine. I'm aware that the United States military and military industrial complex is the biggest threat to life on Earth. The U.S. military is in a constant state of fighting overt and covert conflicts internationally, as well as arming other groups across the globe. In some cases, the U.S. has and does arm both sides of the conflict, not to mention, as covered before, the U.S. government arms forces inside of our own country with military hardware to target activists. This, even as the Department of Justice releases reports showing U.S. police departments violate the constitutional protections of individuals. Most recently, the Louisville Metro Police Department violation of freedom of speech, as well as the protection from unreasonable search and seizure. According to Louisville Public Media, quote, since 2006, Kentucky law enforcement agencies have received armored cars, aircraft, automatic weapons, and more from a U.S. military equipment transfer program, end quote. But regardless of the crimes of the U.S. government and military, it does not mean that aggression or war by Russian powers is in any way playing a positive role. Even the most conservative estimate put the numbers of Ukrainian civilians, Ukrainian troops, and Russian troops at tens of thousands of dead and tens of thousands of injured. Some estimates put it into the hundreds of thousands of dead so far. And while there continue to be heated debates about how U.S. anti-war activists should relate to the war in Ukraine, even within socialist and anti-war organizing circles, some organizations are publishing material that takes a consistent anti-war position. Socialists Against Russia's War in Ukraine is an editorial by Carol Seligman and Bonnie Weinstein. In the March-April issue of Socialist Viewpoint, the editorial also highlights the U.S. is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. In its first section, it also discusses the Junior ROTC, a program in U.S. public high schools that trains students how to shoot, including the student who murdered 17 others at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. That school still has the JROTC Army Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps Weapons Training Program. The editorial then goes on to say, quote, but the commanders of U.S. capital are not the only capitalist despots in the world. This is the modus operandi of all the capitalist world, England, France, Germany, Italy, Iran, Myanmar, Morocco, China, and yes, Russia, among many others. Surely the peace movement can oppose NATO and all military alliances of the U.S. government and also oppose the war moves of other reactionary regimes, end quote. It calls for the building of a new anti-capitalist, anti-war movement. You can read more on socialistviewpoint.org. Neither NATO nor Putin, an anti-war program for an anti-war protest, appears on the ideas and debates section of Left Voice on March 19th. It reports on the March 18th anti-war rally in D.C., as well as sharing a flyer that Left Voice members distributed at the event. The writing says, quote, a strong anti-war movement is urgently needed and we welcome the current mobilizations, end quote, and makes clear of that event that, quote, it is progressive to clearly denounce NATO and the role of U.S. imperialism in particular, end quote. But the article does criticize some elements of the event, saying, quote, we do not support all of the slogans put forward by Saturday's protest. We do not agree 
with a call for negotiations, which create illusions that bourgeois governments can or would be reasonable and find a just solution. We also disagree with the tacit apologia for the Russian invasion of Ukraine expressed by the rally organizers' choice, not to mention Russia, and any of the demands for the March 18th actions. The working class should support neither side in this reactionary proxy war. We call for building a working class internationalist anti-war movement, which clearly rejects the policies and politics of NATO, Russia, and the Zelensky government. End quote. You can read more and see the flyer on leftvoice.org. Ukraine, One Year of War is the title of an article translated from the Greek Zakinim organization by Andros Piazzos that appears in English on the Internationalist Standpoint website March 14th. It condemns the U.S., NATO, and Russia, but also the, quote, reactionary character of Zelensky's Ukrainian government, end quote. But specifically, the article predicts a long conflict, what it calls, quote, a tragedy without end, end quote. The reasons it says are, quote, the West will struggle by all means not to allow the defeat of Ukraine because this will signify its own defeat and will boost the morale and strengthen Russia and the Russia-Chinese access. And Putin will fight the Ukraine war to the end because if he is defeated, Russia will face collapse as an economic and military superpower and a huge internal crisis economically, socially, and politically, end quote. You can read more about the prospects for this likely ongoing war on internationaliststandpoint.org. I would also add to that the U.S. ruling class fears loss of their current but waning economic hegemony if Russian finance and production does not become significantly crippled by ongoing sanctions and military expenditure by the U.S., That is why working people must demand money be spent on human need and not ridiculous war and posturing by the global capitalist elites. We must build ties of solidarity with working people in Russia, the rest of Eastern Europe, and across the globe to say no to war and yes to a world based on human need. Working people in Russia and China are not our enemy, but it is the global ruling class. We must continue to build and improve the anti-war movement in the U.S., In addition to highlighting the demand for money to be spent on human needs like infrastructure, healthcare, education, etc., instead of military engagements, I think it is extremely important to also highlight the massive environmental impact of war. We have a very limited time to save our only planet from environmental catastrophe, and all working people must pull together to do this on an international scale. Doing so absolutely means stopping war. We will have more on the military war and climate catastrophe on a future podcast. But now we end with a short speech from a teacher at the most recent anti-war demo on March 18th, 2023. We'll also include a link to the video of these speeches in the show notes. Here is the speech. As Joshua was just talking about, we need to spend this money at home to take care of human needs. And our next speaker knows that all too well. Please welcome Natasha Docker. Doctor, she is a member of Minneapolis Federation of Teachers. Woo! Woo! And she's gonna, not only was she on strike this time last year, but she is here to talk about money for human needs, like education and children and not war. Please welcome Natasha. Hello everyone. My name is Natasha Doctor, and I am a proud educator and member of the Minneapolis Federation of Educators. A year ago, I was on strike with 4,000 other educators across the city. We were on strike because our students lack the resources and supports they deserve. 
They lack these resources because as a society, the corporate elites and bosses have decided that spending on war is more important than teaching our children how to read. Well, we won a lot while we were on strike. We did not win enough. We continue to fight for additional spending on education, such as fully funding our special education needs and making sure that all children have access to food during school. Instead of continuing to spend money on war and the CIA. As educators, we stand with you and we are proud to be here to stand up to ensure that we spend money on the resources that our students and our children deserve and not on war. Thank you. Money for schools, not for war. 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 And that's all we have. Thanks for listening. As always, reach out with questions, concerns, disagreements, or other thoughts on social media. I also have a Substack now, which I encourage folks to subscribe to for a monthly newsletter seeking to make connections between our individual podcast specials and episodes. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.